Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for inviting me to be here for my first Carter meeting. So these were the sorts of models that were around for the origins of modern humans in the 1990s. So we have the extremes of multi-regional evolution, a global evolution essentially of modern humans everywhere ancient humans lived. They evolved through to modern humans with gene flow between the different regions. At the other extreme, the recent African origin model out of Africa, the replacement model, arguing there's only one place where modern humans evolved and then modern humans spread out to replace these more archaic lineages outside of Africa. I'm sorry about this diagram, but this was prepared back in 1974, me trying to summarize the results of my PhD thesis on skull variation in Pleistocene humans. Um, so I was using very primitive multivariate techniques and computing power to look at differences in skull shape. And at this time, the Neanderthals were regarded probably by most workers as being direct ancestors of modern humans. So I had the advantage of 400 modern human skulls from Bill Howes' database and their skull measurements. And I used that to show that a number of fossil skulls were within the modern human range. This included uh, the Upper Paleolithic people of Europe, Shkul V from the Middle East, uh, Omo I from Africa. And down here we had ancient skulls, Homo erectus skulls from Java and China, very different from modern humans in skull shape, and two specimens, one from Broken Hill in Africa and Petralina in Greece, that seemed also very archaic. And you can see the position of the Neanderthals. So rather than the Neanderthals forming an intermediate between archaic humans and modern humans, as you'd expect if they were the ancestors of at least some modern humans, in my data they seem to be going off in their own direction in terms of their cranial shape away from modern humans. So this is the sort of view I've been putting forward recently for the last, let's say, 500,000 years of the story, and I made the awful error here of combining a genetic tree with, a foss with fossil specimens. Um, so the background here is, is uh, one version of a tree for mitochondrial DNA divergences based on complete mitochondrial sequences of recent humans and of Neanderthals. And there's a coalescence estimated date around 400,000 years for the mitochondrial lineages from this data of modern humans and Neanderthals. So if we map fossils onto these time periods, we have, of course, modern humans and Neanderthals here. And beyond 400,000 years, in my view, there was a common ancestral species for modern humans and Neanderthals, which I call Homo heidelbergensis. So in my interpretation, heidelbergensis was a widespread species in Europe, in Asia, and in Africa. It went in at least two evolutionary directions. In Africa, it gave rise to modern humans. In Western Eurasia, it gave rise to Neanderthals. Anatomically, modern humans are at the end of uh, this part of the evolutionary sequence in Africa. Neanderthals are at the end of this sequence in Eurasia. But also, there will be members of the lineage early on in Africa that are not anatomically modern human, but are on the sapiens lineage and there will be equally archaic Neanderthals that are on the Neanderthal lineage but are not yet showing all the features of the late Neanderthals. So when we look at Africa itself, we've got a Heidelbergensis specimen here. This is Broken Hill, a CT scan of it, and here's a modern human. We've got 
a range of fossils from the middle Pleistocene of Africa. Some of them we can date quite well, some of them are not so well dated. But we have to bear in mind that our sample of African fossils is actually quite limited geographically. We know from the Middle Stone Age record that humans occupied pretty well at times the whole of the African continent. But our fossil record is dominated by specimens from Morocco, from the Rift Valley sites of East Africa, and from Southern African sites. So there are whole areas of Africa, particularly Central and West Africa, where we have no fossil human record at all for this period, even though we know people were there from the stone tool record. And I think this is an important consideration. But certainly for my interpretation, and a number of, not just my interpretation, Africa is the only continent that shows transitional fossils between Heidelbergensis and modern humans. And here we've got a specimen from Ethiopia, the Hurtos number one skull, and a specimen from Morocco, uh, the Jebelichud number one specimen. And these specimens do show mosaics of characteristics between modern humans and, and Heidelbergensis. So in terms of looking at the pattern of evolution of modern humans in Africa, I've certainly been changing my views through, through the years. One view, of course, is that there's really just a gradual change. If we have a complete fossil record in Africa, we would see a gradual transformation of Heidelbergensis into modern humans, as shown in this is the, uh, the paper led by Tim White on the Herto specimen, where Herto is interpreted as a, as a straightforward transitional specimen uh, in this sequence of Heidelbergensis to modern humans. But when we look at a single site, such as Omo Kibish in Ethiopia, these two skulls are dated within the limits of our methods to both about 195,000 years ago. They're found a few kilometers apart, but even in my PhD work in, in 1974, these skulls had really quite different affinities. OMO-1, to me, seemed to be a modern human, and we have parts of the skeleton that's indeed suggested it is in, in its main features. But OMO-2 is a very distinct-looking specimen which I can't call a modern human, and yet there it is apparently alongside OMO-1 in Ethiopia 195,000 years ago. So Phil Reitmeyer has tended to say, well, this is variation perhaps within a single population, I and some others have argued maybe the variation is too great and it might instead indicate that we actually have separate lineages coexisting even in Africa of modern humans. So in my original PhD analyses I really just had these, Afri these ancient African specimens were in there, Jebeli Hood 1, Omo 1 and Omo 2. Um, and we can take Omo 1 out as a modern human but let's look at the rest of the Middle Stone Age sample in terms of skulls that's built up since I did my PhD. So we have uh, the Singer skull, which was known before but not well studied. We've got the Ungaloba specimen, likely hominid 18. We've got Elias Springs, the Ehud material, Ehud 2 there to go with Ehud 1, Herto, and, and the Guamde specimen. And the point is that for a while I continue to lump all these specimens together in a single Middle Stone Age human sample from Africa. But as time's gone on increasingly, I've realized that was a major mistake because it obscured the variation that this material shows. Uh, this really is showing a lot of variation in skull form, um, which makes me think about the pattern of evolution here. And it's even more complicated than that because on my original Heidelbergensis model, Heidelbergensis gives rise to Neanderthals in Eurasia and to modern humans in, in Africa. Um, but what if it doesn't just disappear when it evolves into these succeeding uh, descendant species? What if it actually stays around alongside them 
um, that will complicate things too. And, and I've been working for a number of years on trying to date the Broken Hill fossil and the other associated bits and pieces of skeletons of several individuals from this site in what's now Zambia. And using electron spin resonance and uranium series uh, methods, we're still working on this, and also sediments associated with the skull. The surprising results so far uh, are that the material all seems to range from about 175,000 to 300,000 years old. So whereas in the literature you'll see that Broken Hill is dated often at 500,000 years, the present evidence suggests that it's, it's much younger than that. Um, so this might suggest that Heidelbergensis is hanging on, potentially alongside that evolving Sapiens lineage in Africa. Worse than that, it may have been hanging on in Eurasia as well, but I haven't got time to talk about that. And in North Africa, uh, Jean-Jacques Kublin's here, and, and there it can be demonstrated that there is a lineage of humans there, potentially uh, with some regional continuity. Uh, here we've got Jebeli Hood number one specimen, maybe 160,000 years old, maybe even a bit older. And here we've got an Aterian skull from Dar es Sultan, maybe 100,000 years old. And it looks like there is perhaps morphological continuity between these two, suggesting that there are regional trends going on uh, in particular parts of Africa in terms of morphology. And um, recently I've worked with a number of other people on, a, on a, an intriguing specimen from Nigeria that's only 13,000 years old from a site called Iwo Eleru. This is the oldest fossil human in the whole of West Africa. It's only 13,000 years old. And in my PhD, it came out as a rather strange mixture of archaic and modern human features, and I thought that was maybe just uh, the way I'd studied it or measured it or analysed it at that time in 1974. So I revisited the specimen with new dating work and in collaboration with people like Katerina Havati, geometric morphometrics. And uh, in the session at the AAPA meetings, um, we presented the idea that this specimen actually was very distinct from, uh, from recent populations in West Africa and indeed showed some rather archaic features. Here it is compared with the Jungaloba specimen from Lightly, which is uh, dated usually around 150,000 years old. In Katerina's geometric morphometric analyses, this was the nearest neighbour in terms of cranial shape to Iwo Eleru. And in the same session in which we presented our results at the Fizanth meetings, is Isabel Krevka presented uh, with co-authors, including Alison Brooks, the view that at Ishango in the Congo, similarly in a late Stone Age context, there were specimens from Ishango that showed archaic characteristics less than 20,000 years ago. So a more complex picture here uh, for African than we normally think of. But I've been developing over the last 10 years a, a view that uh, there isn't like a single centre of evolution for modern humans in Africa, a view I used to have. There isn't like a Garden of Eden in South Africa or East Africa. Different parts of Africa contributed to what we call modern humans um, through movements of populations, gene flow and, and exchanges of ideas. So this is entirely a hypothetical model and we need to fit it in with the sort of detailed data that, that Alison and, and Rick have been putting together for the African climates, but possibly with much of Africa very arid 150,000 years ago, we would have small populations quite separate from each other, isolated from each other. Then, when North Africa certainly becomes more humid, we perhaps have gene flow, and maybe this is the time when the use of red ochre and the use of shell jewellery from Nasaria shells spread over much of the range of modern humans at that time. Then when we come on to the last 60,000 years, 
we see again changes in aridity, uh, North Africa uh, cut off and perhaps these populations arguably even, who knows, going extinct uh, in some of these places. And we have East Africa perhaps becoming a centre for the eventual dispersal of modern humans out of Africa. So this is a, up here is a diagram that Roger Lewin put together for multi-regional evolution globally as it was in the 1990s. And I'm suggesting now that this might represent the kind of pattern we've got for modern human evolution in Africa. So um, the view I had 15, 20 years ago was very much a punctuational view of modern human origins, that there would be one place in Africa where maybe an isolated population of modern humans really became modern physically and behaviorally, genetically, um, in quite a short period of time and then spread out from there. Um, I then moved away from that to the view that it was a much more gradual process in line with what I perceive to be the pattern for Neanderthal evolution in Europe. Now, um, I think it's more like what I can call here a coalescent African origin, that different bits of the African populations are contributing to the behavior, to the morphology, to the genes of what we're going to call modern humans uh, through time. So a quick word on the spread out of Africa, and here we've got uh, just a representative map from the uh, a genetics paper published in PNS in 2012. So we can say that there are modern humans anatomically in China uh, 40,000 years ago, uh, down in Southeast Asia 45,000 years ago, reaching Australia at least 42,000 years ago. And at the same time, they're over in Europe. We can now place the arrival of modern humans even in Western Europe from fossil data and new dating work on those specimens to more than 40,000 years ago for Italy and for uh, Great Britain. So there's this quite early dispersal. This brings modern humans potentially into the territory of these archaic humans that are living outside of Africa. The implication that there was interbreeding when those populations were in some level of contact. First of all, a phase of interbreeding with Neanderthals, maybe one phase, maybe more. We'll hear about that later. And then over in, maybe even over the Wallace line in uh, Australasia, there was interbreeding with these other populations known as the Denisovans and signs of that gene flow showing up only in Australasia today. So, simple attempt to try to represent this and uh, we'll have to leave out all these other species that are, we haven't been able to talk about, but the suggestion now is that Heidelbergensis didn't just go two ways to give rise to modern humans in Africa and to Neanderthals in Western Eurasia. It also gave rise to a third branch, the Denisovans in Eastern Eurasia, and then when modern humans came out of Africa, they pick up some Neanderthal DNA, perhaps in the Middle East or Asia. A smaller group of them heading to Australasia pick up some Denisovan DNA on the way to Australia. And even within Africa, the possibility that an archaic lineage in Africa, perhaps surviving members of Heidelbergensis, put in more archaic DNA back into the modern human gene pool in sub-Saharan Africa. So quite a complicated story. And just to finish off with these different models of human evolution that I started with. So in 1970, nobody thought there was a recent African origin. People thought it was either a global pattern, as in multi-regional evolution for modern human origins, or that maybe Europe or the Middle East or Southeast Asia were centers for the evolution of modern humans. But the pendulum then started swinging strongly towards a recent African origin. And I and many other people by about the year 2000 were confident enough to say that we can more or less talk about 100% recent African origin for modern humans, genetically, uh, behaviorally, physically. But now, 
the pendulum has uh, swung back a bit, potentially, and now we have to say mostly out of Africa, probably. So on that note, I will stop. Thank you.